are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? Always wonderful. And might I add, handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, I know you guys missed me, so we got a fun little show to talk about today. I want to regrade the D-backs 2019 offseason, go back, look at the moves that Mike Hazen made, and give it a grade, and you know, what What would the hindsight tell us? You know, we got 2020 hindsight right now, so after looking at the 2019 offseason, what can it tell us? And let's re-slap a new grade on it, and then... For the second segment today, Bleach Report did an article basically looking at 10 free agents and doing contract predictions for 10 of them. So we're going to look at those predictions. We're going to look at those contract projections and say, should the D-backs be comfortable going after this player and giving them that kind of money? Because we know they're probably going to be hesitant after that Madison Bumgarner signing from last year. So we'll look at those contract predictions that the Bleach Report says or that Bleach Report has, and we'll tell you, I'll tell you, not we, it's just me on here. I'll tell you if the D-backs should be comfortable giving those players that kind of money. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast, Locked On Diamondbacks, to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I read some of the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into it, and let's first look at 2019 Diamondbacks offseason. And D-backs offseason, I think they spent more money than people maybe realize. They spent $110 million in free agency last year, and of course, $85 million of that went to a Madison Bumgarner. But overall... You know, coming out the 2019 offseason, before the hindsight, of course, I thought the D-backs had a pretty solid offseason. I would have given it a B plus, maybe an A minus. I mean, you went out there, you got the NL West rivals, best starting pitcher from the last decade in Madison Bumgarner, three-time World Series champ, World Series MVP. We know his resume. It's one of the most remarkable resumes for a starting pitcher in the last 20 years when it comes to what he does on the big stage. Plus, you got a guy in Cole Calhoun, who's a defensive outfielder, who's also a power-hitting monster. Been a 30-home run guy before with the Angels. You got Steven Vogt, who's a great clubhouse guy, and just a utility catcher. So wasn't like it. he was trying to break the bank with uh, Steven Vogt signing Mike Hazen was. And it wasn't like Steven Vogt was coming in and expecting to play a major role for this Dimebacks team. which was just coming in to play a mentorship role to Carson Kelly and just you know, provide some stability as your backup catcher. Got Hector Rondon, too, a guy who's been a former closer throughout his career and just a good addition to the back of the bullpen. And then Junior Guerrero, too, another back end of the bullpen kind of guy, another guy who's made 
uh, who, who's closed games in his career. Another guy who's also made a few starts in his career as well when he used to be a little bit, uh, who used to be a former starter back when he was with the Brewers. So Guerrero could do it both as a closer and as a spot starter if needed. Rondon has that closer experience. Vote backup catcher Cole Cajon, an everyday starting outfielder with 30 home run potential. Then Madison Bumgarner, a guy who is expected to come in and be the ace of the staff. So those five signings at the time in 2019, I liked a lot. And then through trades, D-backs, don't forget, acquired Starling Marte. He was supposed to have the Marte Parte for the whole 2019 season. And of course, it got cut short because of the trade deadline. You know, Mike Hazen traded Starling Marte at the deadline. So we didn't get to see, you know, the full fruition of Starling Marte. But overall, I thought it was a good offseason. You gave extensions to David Peralta, three years, 22 million. So didn't break the bank. Didn't break the bank for him because you don't break the bank for anyone. Gave a similar contract to Nick Ahmed, four years, 32 and a half million. Just basically gave him an extra year. And then you didn't really lose anyone of note that you were really upset about maybe Taiwan Walker that was a pretty big loss actually because after you know in 2019 Taiwan Walker was a guy who struggled in 2019 and also was a guy who dealt with a good amount of injuries with the D-backs he wasn't a guy who was really healthy a lot of his times with the D-backs and he didn't even uh make a start last season 2019 I mean we know he was coming back from injury I believe he had Tommy John surgery so he was coming back from that and he barely played in D-backs uniform in 2019 only made one start and only made three starts in 2018 but he was really good for the D-backs in 2017 when they traded for him and I thought maybe they wanted to give him a one-year contract tender him but no they let him go he's still only 27 years old and they let him walk he went over to uh he actually went back to Seattle before they traded him to the Blue Jays. And when he was on the Blue Jays this season, he was pretty dynamite. Six starts, 26 innings pitch, only gave up four earned runs. Strikeouts per nine of 8.5 wasn't too bad. His walks per nine was a little high, but he had a pretty good uh, season in 2020 considering it was only a shortened season and it was two years of baseball where it basically only had four starts in two seasons. So for Taiwan Walker, he had a nice bounce back season. So looking at the offseason as a whole, I thought Mike Hazen had good signings. I thought he made good trades, and he didn't really lose anyone outside of Taiwan Walker. I mean, I don't think anyone was upset. Adam Jones, Jared Dyson, Wilmer Flores, Alex Avila, Caleb Joseph. I don't think anyone's Blake Swihart. I don't think anyone's really upset that those guys walk. But when you look at the 2019 offseason now, with hindsight, you look at that Bumgarner deal. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like an albatross contract. Five years, $85 million dollars. Bumgarner was just absolutely atrocious in 2019, uh, not in 2019, in 2020. 2019, it, you know, he actually showed some decline and maybe gave us some inkling of that he was going to pitch like this because in 2019, or excuse me, in 2020, Bumgarner just completely fell off the map. Nine starts, hit a 6-4-8 ERA. He missed a little time due to injury and in 41 innings pitch, he gave up 13 home runs allowed and gave up 30 earned runs allowed and he didn't get a win till his final start in 2020. Bumgarner was just a shell of himself this season. His strikeouts per nine went to 6.5. His walks per nine still wasn't that high, but he had no fastball. He had no velocity on his pitches. His fastball averaged around, what, 88 miles per hour, I believe, somewhere around that number. I know it was below 90 miles. It was around 88, 89 miles an hour topped out. And 
Bumgarner just couldn't strike out people anymore. And hitters got to Bumgarner early, and he didn't make it through a lot of games. He didn't make it deep into ball games, I should say, a lot of times. If he got to the fifth inning, you would consider that a win. And if he got to the sixth inning, he must be having a phenomenal start because Bumgarner didn't have a lot of games where he went very deep into ball games. And considering he was the guy that was supposed to come over, stabilize the rotation, and be a number one guy, and help this team get into the into the playoffs, you know, no one expected the D-backs to win the division with the kind of team that the Dodgers had, but this team was expected to fight for the playoffs and at least make a wild card, and they could even do that, and Baumgartner was a big reason. The rotation was not good this season, and a lot of it was on the shoulders of Baumgartner, who is expected to be the tone setter for the rotation, and when your tone setter is garbage, it means that the rest of your pitchers might be garbage too, and that's what happens. Luke Weaver wasn't good in 2020 as well, 6.58 ERA. We know how bad Robbie Ray was, 7.84 ERA. So Baumgartner is the tone setter. He did set the tone, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it was a negative tone. And because of it, Luke Weaver, I'm not saying Luke Weaver and Robbie Ray performed bad because Madison Baumgartner was pitching bad, but I don't think it helps when the best pitcher on your rotation is consistently struggling. I don't think it's a coincidence that it kind of bled over to the other starters with the Luke Weaver and Robbie Ray as we also saw them struggle. So so we need Bumgarner to have a bounce back in 2021 because I think if he has a bounce back, then a lot of the pitchers in this rotation will have a bounce back as well with Bumgarner being the tone setter at the top of the rotation. Now, if we look at some of those other moves that the D-backs made, Cole Calhoun, I think he worked out. I would say he was still a B, though, because Cole Calhoun is still a guy that can't hit for average. And his, th- his 338 OBP is shockingly the, the, the second best OBP on this D-backs roster right after David Peralta. Starring Marte would have led this team in OBP, but of course he got traded. So considering uh, Cole Calhoun led this team in OPS, was second in OBP, I I would still say that was a B signing. Uh, And he also led this team in home runs, we can't forget, because his 16 home runs severely outpaced any other Diamondbacks. Second on that list was Christian Walker with seven. So actually, I'm going to have to give Cole Calhoun a B plus, actually. Maybe an A minus just because of how good he was outside of hitting for average. He was the leadoff hitter for a lot of those D-back schemes, and I don't think people expected Cole Cowan to arguably be the best Diamondback this season. So because of that, I at least have to give Mike Hazen uh, credit for signing a guy that was arguably the best player on the D-backs roster this season. Steven Vogt, uh, not much to say about Steven Vogt. I mean, he wasn't that good this season. Batted 167, OPS 525, but he was just a backup catcher. He is 35 years old. He played 26 games. He was mostly a guy who started on days Bumgarner. He mostly catch on days Bumgarner started because they because those two go back to their San Francisco Giants days. But outside of you know his spot starts uh with Bumgarner I don't think uh Steven Vogt was that impressive and for a backup catcher I'm not really gonna judge him too harshly but Hector Rondon he was a guy that was super high on as a relief pitcher I mean the D-backs potentially needed someone to be their closer I didn't know if Archie Briley was ready for that role and he actually was I thought he was pretty good as a closer for the D-backs in 2020 but after they traded him they never gave Rondon a chance I don't blame them because Rondon was pretty bad the whole 2020 season Rondon was not a good pitcher for the Diamondbacks this season he has 7.65 ERA in just 20 innings pitch and 
just his numbers overall. Rondon was just not good this season. And one of his biggest weaknesses for this D-backs team was his walks. He just gave up too many. Uh, he just walked too many guys. He didn't have good control. His walks per nine was at five. His hits per nine was at 11.3. And his whip was at 1.8. You're just not going to win like that. His FIP, his FIP, 6.59. His numbers across the board wasn't good. He gave up six home runs allowed and just 20 innings pitched. That's just way too much for a relief pitcher. So Rondon was not good for the D-backs this season at all. And Junior Guerrera, his ERA was good, a 3.05 ERA. But he's another guy that people didn't really think performed as well as he should have. Now, I thought Junior Guerrera was actually a top three relief pitcher for the D-backs this season. But... His walks per nine was 5.7, so even worse than Rondon's. But outside of that, I didn't think he was too bad. He did have a problem with walking guys, and his FIP was at a 4.12. But I thought overall on the season, he was solid. I didn't think he hurt the D-backs too much. And yeah, he walked some guys, but I never felt like he was killing the D-backs in certain situations. I felt like he never gave up the big home runs or gave up the big hits. He only had one home run allowed the whole year so. I wanted the D-back to keep Junior Guerrero, but I guess they didn't want to. I guess they feel like they could get an upgrade over him, even though the rest of this bullpen, the rest of this bullpen was pretty bad in 2020. So hopefully they can get an upgrade over Junior Guerrero this offseason. And then finally, the last big move that they really did this past offseason was acquire Starling Marte, and they only gave up two prospects who are younger than 20 years old. So it's not like they gave up any established prospects. No, no guys who were really firmly at the top of the D-backs farm system. So I didn't think they gave up a lot for starring Marte. And Marte was having a great season. He was actually the D-backs best player before they traded him. But the reason why I can't give a move like that is because D-backs did trade him. He was one half of the Marte Parte. He actually lived up to his name. His numbers across the board were the best of any D-backs player when you look at it. I mean, he didn't lead this team in home runs, but... He had a 311 batting average, only person on this team to bat above 300, a 384 OBP, only player to have above 350 OBP and 827 OPS, second to just Cole Calhoun, and only the second person on the team to have an OPS above 800. So overall, Starling Marte was a beast for the D-backs this season. I wanted him to stay with the D-backs. I was hoping they were going to pick up his option next year, but they didn't. It, it looked like the $8, $9 million option was just too much for the Dimebacks, so they moved him. They don't want to pay anyone money, and that's, that makes me concerned that they're not going to spend a lot of money this offseason, but if I have to go back and regrade the 2019 offseason, I have to give it a D. Bumgarner was a flop. Cole Calhoun was a good signing. Steven Vogt flopped. Hector Rondon flopped. I don't think Guerrero really flopped, but still, you thought after a year he wasn't worth keeping around. Starring Marte, he was good, but you traded him because you don't want to pick up his option. So when I look at it, who are you left with? Not a lot. You're left with Cole Calhoun, who's very good, but now that Bumgarner contract looks like an albatross. So if I have to regrade this deal in 2020, I'm going to have to give it a D. This offseason wasn't very good last year, and I don't want that Madison Bumgarner contract to deter Mike Hazen from making other moves this offseason because I think... I think the process that he used to sign Madison Bumgarner was right. We just didn't get the results we wanted. So I hope it doesn't deter the D-backs from making any big signings this offseason. But I have to give the 2019 offseason a grade. I'm going to have to give it a D. Coming up, we'll look at Bleach Report's contract predictions for some of MLB's top free agents and decide whether the D-backs should be comfortable handing out those kind of contracts. But first... I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, 
cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're both soft and easy to chew. Bill Bars are healthy, which is the reason why I love them. I'm a health conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, but I also have a sweet tooth and Bill Bar helps with all of that because they make you think that you're eating a candy bar when you're actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber. So it's great for that keto diet and it helps you lose or maintain weight also while you're indulging in a delicious treat. Now, if you go to Built Bar right now, BuiltBar.com, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. Get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it and let's look at Bleach Report's contract predictions. And I don't want to waste a lot of time on this. We got to wrap up the pod pretty soon. So we're just going to run through these contracts and not take too long and decide if this is the kind of player the D-back should go after and whether they should hand out that kind of contract. So first one on the list is Marcus Simeon. And I've talked a good amount about Marcus Simeon on this pod in a great 2019 season, but that might've been the outlier for him. He was almost, he, he was an MVP runner-up, not the runner-up, but I should say he was an MVP candidate, top five in 2019 for the AL MVP voting and it kind of looks like it was an aberration for him, maybe an outlier year. If you look at his other years, he never had a season quite as good in 2019. His numbers regressed mightily in 2020. So contract prediction for Marcus Simeon, one year, $13 million. And I wouldn't be opposed to the Dimebacks giving a one-year deal to Marcus Simeon. I just wouldn't know what to do with Nick Ahmed, whether you keep him around, whether you move him. And Marcus Simeon continues to struggle, and he shows that 2019 was just an outlier. Then it would end up being a pretty bad move. But for one year, $13 million, I wouldn't be opposed giving Marcus Simeon that kind of money. Masahiro Tanaka, he's going to be, he's a little bit older. He's going to be 32 at the start of 2021. He's still a pretty solid pitcher, but I don't think he's the guy that he once was when he was, when he first came over and he was pitching for the Yankees. I don't think he's that guy anymore. He's always been a pretty good playoff performer though, but the D-backs are a team that struggles to get to the playoffs. So Tanaka, even though he had a pretty good 2020, I'm not entirely convinced how good he is still. Uh, he's usually pretty good at performing in the postseason, but not this postseason. He got shelled this season, 2020. He was awful this postseason for a guy who throughout his career has been dominant in the postseason. So for Tanaka, a guy entering his mid-30s, I think he's lost a little bit on some of his pitches. And I don't know what kind of contract he's going to garner, but Bleach Report saying two years, $36 million. I think that's just way too much. We can't pay another starting pitcher more than Madison Bumgarner. Now, next is Michael Brantley, who is also a guy in his uh, early 30s. And I think he would be a great addition to the D-backs. He's going to be 33, but I think he's a consistent hitter, career 300 hitter. He's a guy that could get you 20 plus home runs. And I think it just brings great stability to the lineup. But two years, $34 million. I don't think the D-backs are going to give out that kind of money. But I think for if it's only a two-year deal, I would be I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I like Michael Brantley a lot. I would love the D-backs to give him a two-year deal. I don't care if it's near $20 million, but we know the D-backs aren't going to rack up or are not going to shell out that kind of money. So I'm in on Michael Brantley, but I'm afraid the D-backs might be out on him. 
And then Liam Hendricks, he's been a pretty good relief pitcher uh, in his last 99 games. He's a 179 ear rating. We know the D-backs need a lot of help uh, in the bullpen, but Bleach Report's saying three years, $36 million. They're not going to give uh, a starring Marte a deal. They're not going to pick up Marte's option, which was about $8, 9000000 million. There's no way they're giving relief pitcher more than $10 million. So Liam Hendricks, I'm in on you, but I'm afraid the D-backs are going to be out on you. Next up is Marcel Urzuna, and he's only projected four years, $64 million. He led the American League, or excuse me, led the National League in home runs in 2020. And he's been a guy that been a stud throughout his career i mean the last few years he's been an mvp kind of candidate he's been a a 30 home run kind of guy a 40 home run kind of guy he's a pretty big power hitter in the middle of your lineup and for a d-back team that could use another outfielder who could use a center fielder maybe you move cole calhoun to center field maybe you move someone else to center field and put marcel azuna in the corner outfield but what he what he can do for you offensively, I don't think four years, $64 million is a lot of money at all. So I'm in. I'm hoping the D-backs are in on Marcel Azuna as well. DJ LeMayu is next up. Now, the thing with DJ LeMayu is he's a guy who's about 35 years old, 34, 35, and we know he's a stud. Just led the league in batting average, the American League, that is. But a four-year, $72 million deal for a guy who's going to be about 39 when that contract is up. If we can make that a two-year deal, I don't mind giving him you know, $40 million. But I know the D-backs are not going to want to try out to give a four-year, $72 million deal to a guy who's going to be approaching 40 years old approaching 40 years old by the end of that contract so i'm in on dj lemayu but not for that contract and neither will the diamondbacks next up is george springer this one is going to be the toughest one for the d-backs to get one of the toughest at least because he's projected five years 110 and let me just say d-backs are not giving out a five-year 110 million dollar deal so even though i'm in on george springer i'm in on his talent i know the d-backs are going to be out on him just because of the price tag so that's going to be a no to george springer unfortunately next up jt romuto and he's you know, projected to get one of the biggest contracts for a catcher since Joe Mauer. And Bleach Report's thing he's going to get five years, $120 million. Now, the thing with the D-backs is they have Carson Kelly. They traded for him as part of that Paul Goldschmidt deal. So I do think they want to see what they have in Carson Kelly. But Real Muto's a stud. But again, that kind of contract, D-backs are not going to hand it out. They're not going to pay someone over $20 million, especially a position that's not an everyday position. So because of that, even though... You know, me and the D-backs might be in on the player. They're not going to be in on the contract. So that's a no to JT Romuto. That's same with this next guy. Now, the difference is with this next person, who is Trevor Bauer. Bleach Report has two different contracts for him. A one-year deal and a multi-year deal. And for the one-year deal, they say $37.5 million for one year. And if the D-backs want to give out $40 million, I wouldn't be upset if it was only for one year. Yes, that's a lot of money for one year, but at least you get Trevor Bauer. And yes, there might be some bad blood between him and the D-backs organization, but at least he's a stud. He's a Cy Young Award winner now, and I would openly and graciously accept Trevor Bauer back on the Diamondbacks, but I doubt that this one would happy would happen. This one is might be more of a, a situation where the D-backs are in on the contract, but out on the player, but either way, D-backs are not giving out a $37.5 million contract, even if it's for one year. And for a multi-year deal, Bleach Report saying three years, $110 million. There's no chance. There's no chance D-backs get anywhere close to that or even offer Trevor Bauer a contract. So I think D-backs are just going to be out on Bauer entirely as a player and as a contract. 
it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Come back tomorrow because the Locked on D-backs podcast starts your team every day with the best Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight. And as always, hope you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, and don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 and at Locked on Diamondbacks on Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Deuces!